and welcome to Jurassic Park 3 Minutes, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute at a Time. I'm Brad, and today we're here to discuss Minute 3 of The Lost World. No, Minute 3 of Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> uh, David, anything we need to discuss this week before we get into Oh, Halloween is coming. Ooh. Do you guys celebrate Halloween much in um, Australia? It's getting more and more popular, yep. Is it? Yeah, because yeah, I'm a big Halloween fan, so I put I put all the decorations up in a day, got everything out, got the corn stalks out, the uh, pumpkins are out. None of them carved yet. I'm I'm gonna have to buy two more pumpkins for carving jack o' lanterns. But yeah, I actually picked up two more masks. <laughs> I was gonna say which Halloween? You gotta be specific here. The time of the year or the movie? Um. <laughs> uh, Oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's what's new with me is all this Halloween stuff going on. What's um, what date's that supposed to be? Which one, the movie or the uh... the, the, the the time of year, Halloween? Is that oh. the last day of October? It's October thirty first. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah, I kind of we everybody in my block kind of sets out or put stuff out early you know mm. yeah no especially like last year we you got a um a lot of kids sort of roaming around the neighborhood mm-hmm. and sort of looking for any sign of halloween decorations to sort of know if a house is going to be worth not going to knock on the door of or not <laughs> no they definitely go all out in my neighborhood mm. and there's one guy he i um he he like does an entire graveyard in his, his front house wow yeah. Well, that's it. You, you see, you see it all the time over there, especially the sort of whole streets and that will shut the street off and have the have the party out in the street. You got everyone dressing up. It's almost it's almost as good as like a comic con or something where you get people putting a lot of time and effort into costumes and that getting out and wandering the streets. <laughs> yeah. This year I wanted to do Leatherface just because. Ooh. I mean, even he gives me the creeps. Yeah. But. I have class on Wednesday night, and it's a it, the thirty first is a Wednesday uh, this year, and unfortunately I won't be able to attend. So I'm thinking maybe I'll just wear my Freddy Krueger sweater <laughs> around campus. Around campus. Uh, I've got the um, I've got the one of those masks from Silence of the Lambs with the grills in the the mouth. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah. I used to love just driving down in the car down the highway and <laughs> looking at people as they drive past. <laughs> You used to get some weird looks. I think the neighbors are pretty much resigned to the fact that I take pictures of my mask collection out in the front yard. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's shaded. I have a lot of trees out there yeah. in the front yard, and so it makes for better pictures, you know? Mm-hmm. Billy, I don't think I'm doing this right. How much of the island did you explore? I stayed pretty close to the compound. Figured if anyone came looking for me, that's where they'd start. All right. Ready to get into Minute 3? Yeah. As we ended the second minute of Jurassic Park 3, Ben had pulled the ripcord in the parasail, and him and Eric had gone sailing up into the air. As we open on the third minute, the two sail higher and higher into the air as the cable spools out. At the 8 second mark, Ben asks Eric if he's scared. Eric replies by shaking his head and says, Nah, this is great. At the 24 second mark, we cut to see Ben holding the video camera up to his eye, 
looking towards this sauna. Eric asks him if he sees anything yet. He replies, nah, not yet. At the 30 second mark, back down at the boat, Enrique spots some mist ahead and directs his driver to go through it. At the 40 second mark, the boat leaps over pounding waves as it enters the fog. Enrique and the driver never be seen again. And as we end minute three, Eric and Ben feel a heavy jolt through the tow cable as something dangerous happens down below. As the opening <laughs> sequence continues, the parasail is lifting higher and higher into the air and we get a quick shot of uh, Ben controlling the parachute. As discussed last minute, it's, um, it isn't something you can normally do when parasailing. But um, Ben asks Eric if he's scared and Eric shakes his head and says, nah, this is great. So... Um, <laughs> Definitely enjoying the uh, the wind, the big fan in front of him blowing wind onto him because uh, there was, there's two sort of different shots here. All the stuff where you can clearly see the actors' faces and they're talking is um, done on a little harness in a st- in the studio on a set with um, questionable rear screen composition. <laughs> they did that a couple times throughout this movie, and I mean, it's noticeable. Mm-hmm. It's such a shame, especially here in this opening. It's like, you've got this opening sequence, you want it to be what sort of introduces you to the film, and then you got this, like, we're going to see it in a couple of minutes' time once that line gets undone and they're sort of floating towards the island. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which is such a shame. It's They spent $93 million on this, $25 million that was spent before the final script was even half completed. Like They'd, they'd spent $25 million on the film before they were ready to start filming. Um when comparing it to eight years earlier with Jurassic Park being 65 million, it just, it really makes you wonder how they can waste so much money. <laughs> um, but when we get to some things, like I definitely think animatronics and some of the CG is definitely better than what we see in previous films. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, I wonder if, okay, they've sort of started to farm out to different effects studios and that where you don't have ILM obviously doing everything like they once did. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, this one I do blame on Kathleen Kennedy. I know a lot of Star Wars fans like love to rag on her, especially right now. But this one was Kennedy's call, and without a script, she she said, go ahead, and this is what we got. Mm. Yeah, there's, um, on the behind the scenes, it's on the DVD for this, uh, there's definitely a lot of, um, a lot of discussion about script, the script issues and that. I can't remember where I've seen it. Uh, oh, I don't know now. There was, some, there was an article or something I was reading the other day. Anyway, I'll find that later. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's sort of a shame. I was reading an article the other day and just how... Um, oh, it was the wiki. <laughs> With the uh, pre-production for the film. Just grain of salt, of course, but just how often scripts were getting thrown out, writers were being let go and new writers coming on board because I do believe at the start even Crichton had a pen involved at one stage before he left the project as well mm-hmm. then you got someone like Spielberg sitting there saying well I want these couple of things to be included as well as a producer and just mm-hmm. muddying the waters more I actually heard the opposite about Crichton I heard that he had no interest in being involved and that actually David Kep felt much the same way for most of the project until he was kind of his arm was twisted at to bring in and write the ending because they just couldn't figure out a way to get him off the island that was 
believable. <laughs> so they still haven't found a way to get them off the island that's believable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, can, I mean, I can... they were literally writing the movie as they were making the movie. Mm, yep. And that's definitely evident in some scenes later on. But I definitely mm-hmm. believe I definitely believe that's the case with Crichton. Like he got burnt. He was not happy when he um got to write The Lost World and then they pretty much shelved most of it. Mm-hmm. That would have definitely strained the uh him and Spielberg's relationship at the time. Yeah, but I think the biggest the biggest sort of thing here with this reproduction stuff or the compositing, it just sort of you've You've got them on in the harness in the parasail moving. Then you've got the camera that seems to be moving independent to that. And then you've got the screen behind moving as well. Like you've got three separate elements moving where it should only be one or two. Lock the camera and have have them move and not the scenery behind them or have the uh, have the camera as if it's mounted to them and they, you're moving with them but not the scenery behind. It just I think that's why mainly it doesn't look that good. Because it's actually, it's the island, it's not CG here. They've actually went, as I said last minute, they went to the island and filmed for two days with a helicopter, getting all these rear, rear backing plates, but it just um, it just wasn't put together right. But uh, Eric asks Ben if he sees anything yet, and Ben replies, nah, not yet. <laughs> Again, we said this last <laughs> last week, what, what's, what are they going to see? He's looking through the camera, he's, he's zooming in through a camera that's shaking all over the place, going to allow you to look closer. At the jungle and see see if you can see anything moving or not. Mm. Even if he had a set of binoculars in his hand, it'd be sort of all you'd see is, especially with the way they're moving around here in the wind, you'd just see sky mm-hmm. sky jungle sky jungle sky jungle as as the, as the getting moved around. Yeah, I mean, when we see the videotape later, it's not as shaky, mm. but I mean, he's still pretty far away. They weren't they weren't seeing anything. Yeah. Yeah, and I've unless you have some sort of weighted gimbal or something set up, we've all seen home videos and that of of um, using handheld cameras like this. Get them getting smaller or them being larger didn't really help the issue of them shaking around. And even now, sort of going back and looking at some old videos <laughs> that are in the cupboard, it's just the whole time you're like. You're thinking to yourself, "Damn, hold the camera still, will you? I want to be able to focus on something, but it's moving around. <laughs> it's it's going from one person to the other person in a blur, and you're yelling at them to do something, or they're they're sort of putting their hand up to block the camera because they don't want to be filmed, or <laughs> something like that. And it's just it's a common thing with the old family photos. But my favorite is when you get a 11 year old on YouTube with a with their phone filming a TV screen three feet away <laughs> with shaky cam. And bad sound. Mm. <laughs> and they're talking in the background. Or laughing or giggling or something. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Any shot like that, it's easy just to put it on a tripod. <laughs> At least. Put on a tripod, get a, get a uh, shotgun mic, and for God's sake, shut the hell up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm bad for it here. Like, a couple of times, if we go to a local convention or something and they report about it on the news, I'll... I'll be sitting there eagerly with my phone, and as soon as it comes up, I'll be on one knee in front of the TV trying to hold the phone as steady as I can to to um, to record the actual news mm-hmm. report. And there's a couple of times on those where I'm telling the kids to be quiet, <laughs> even though the thing's going, because they're talking about it or yelling about it in the background. So, No, I mean, I'll admit, when I, I've been guilty of it too, but it's not like I'm publishing it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And for another matter, I mean, I'm dead quiet when I'm recording something. Hmm. Or when I see somebody recording something and I know that they're recording sound, I'm I'm dead quiet. There is, um, we went to the, uh, to a uh, live set, live news record um, last Monday, or no, last Tuesday. And... I mean, all the other kids, all the other guys in the cl- or guys and gals in the class are just whispering to each other, giggling. I'm just in there, dead quiet, standing there, dead quiet. I'm like, guys, there, it's a live set. This camera can and will pick you up, you know. Mm. Yeah, and that's the yeah, same thing here. Like, I'm not posting it to YouTube in the attempt to get views or subscriptions or anything like that. It's just here, the here we're at this convention, just doing the Facebook thing, and that's it. So. We cut back the end of the boat again as it again passes between two sort of large rocky outcrops, and you can see that mist hanging low over the water. And the uh, dramatic music starts to build up now as the boat's sort of jumping and pounding over the sea. The boat sort of jumps off the pounding sea, and the waves have picked up definitely a lot more than they were before. Um, maybe just because they're a little bit close to the island, or just the wind's picked up a bit. Mm-hmm. But you'd think you'd think with the way the boat's sort of leaping around off these waves, that is what we get later with them being pulled on the line. Because there's no... Yes, it's rope, so there would be a little bit of absorption in the rope. But this boat leaping off waves like it is, it should be enough to either snap the rope or give um, mm-hmm. give those riding the parasail up ahead, up above, with a bit of a bad back. <laughs> and there's a tangent you can go to. YouTube bad parasailing disasters or <laughs> accidents. <laughs> I haven't yet, and I don't really think I want to. Because it definitely make me want, not want to strap into one ever again. Mm-hmm. Honestly, just because of Jaws too, <laughs> I am somewhat fearful of. I mean, it's completely irrational, but it's true. I mean, there are things in the ocean we have no idea exist, and oh, yeah. the ocean is a strange, strange place. I wonder if um, did one of the not piranha. No, Sharknado. Might have been Piranha. <laughs> They've done a few of the Piranha Maybe films. one of the Piranha movies, yeah. Yeah, I seem to think there's something else too where, yeah, someone's getting dropped in the... Because in Jaws, they don't lose their legs, do they? It's just sort of... I know the, yeah. boat, I know the boat explodes. Yeah. But I don't I don't think the parasail is injured. Where whatever I'm thinking of, the parasail is in the water and the legs disappear. <laughs> Pretty bloody too. Yeah, I'm probably imagining it'd be Piranha. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably Piranha Double D or whatever, whatever they call that second one. Uh, I suppose we're in the same sort of mindset here for this film as well, being just one of those dumb popcorn movie sequels. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking today about how much the ser- the franchise sort of um, mirrors Aliens a little bit. Um, where you sort of got Alien, the original, where it's sort of that isolation on the island. Um, mm-hmm. More so civilians, no weapons, and all hell breaks loose. Yes, you got more than one dinosaur, but um, it's only three raptors, it's only one T-Rex, and the Dilophosaur, where then you move into the Lost World, or Aliens, where you got the, the military slash mercenaries there. Um, a lot more raptors, a lot more, or twice the dinosaur, the T-Rexes and everything else. And then here with Jurassic Park 3 or like Alien 3, <laughs> everything you know is dead. Yes, you get Grant back, but he sort of seems a little bit dead inside as well, some would say. And 
<laughs> and it just sort of um, again just more of a smaller but get, getting back to that um, a family or those that mm. haven't haven't experienced anything like this before and being isolated again but anyway I, I think that I mean the comparison stops with the fourth just because mm. I mean Jurassic World is salvageable but Alien Resurrection is a complete abortion of a movie <sighs> I'll disagree slightly with you. <laughs> I, I'm probably mainly because it's my first. En- it was my first entry into the franchise, and again that nostalgia, and how just how toxic it can be. But now, sort of stepping aside from that, I, I definitely prefer Aliens. But I'm uh... I'm going to say that. I mean, sure. Actually, Alien Resurrection was my introduction to the movies as well. But I have like zero nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. If only because of there's only really two scenes that really kind of had an impact me and me. One was the aliens cannibalizing the one mm-hmm. so that they could escape, and the other was Ripley flicking her acidic blood at the window so that the newborn or whatever that abortion is called <laughs> <laughs> with that that thing could be sucked out the sucked out of the spaceship well doesn't again that that sort of mirrors what we got here too and what i'll argue as being one of the things the star wars films always had and even though some people don't see that is just a series of scenes being strung together with not much substance in between um especially here on this film just sort of you got a couple of these big sequences and either not a lot of lot happening in the in between or just no script in between. I mean, honestly, my favorite... Yes, my favorite is Aliens, but my second favorite isn't the first one. It's the third. Uh, Alien th- Alien 3, the mm-hmm. uh, assembly cut, that they call it. Yep. With the with the dog and not the ox. Yeah, no, with the ox, not oh, the dog. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay, yep. Yeah, the... That one... I mean, it, the human drama alone makes the movie far more intriguing than the um than the theatrical cut just because i mean it makes the movie entertaining mm-hmm. I, I mean they just butchered this movie like a lot like they did with alien 3 i mean sorry jurassic park 3 they just had too many spoons in that pot everybody wanted to con- wanted something out of the movie and they just butchered it you know mm-hmm Yep, and that's what I was saying before about how I feel the franchise sort of lends to it, to the Aliens one, where um, Ripley goes through all that to save Newt, only for them to be dead at the start of the film, where he, and this is only through other fans' film uh, headcanon here, not my personal beliefs, but Sarah and crew nearly dying to save the baby Rex, only to have it die here, which I know it's not the same one, and I don't advocate that, but a lot of fans do believe that, unfortunately, and you can sort of lead, um, have that same sort of similarity if you believe that, <laughs> which I don't, so I'm not going to mention anything else of it, about it. <laughs> but uh, as the minute ends here, we sort of get a shot down the um, down the tow line as, thick, as the boat disappears in the thick fog, and um, Eric asks about the boat, and Ben doesn't know, and at the same time there's something heavy tugging on the... Uh, on the tow line. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'd, I'd put that down to more the boat g- crashing over the waves, but 
Mm -hmm. There's something down the boat, and in a minute we're going to see the aftermath of that. Now, I think it's interesting. I mean, they we get this fog patch here, but it's an otherwise beautiful, cloudless day on an, on the island. There's really one thing I I've kind of faulted Jurassic Park three for, and I I will admit I've lightened up about it in recent years, going back and rewatching the movie in high definition. Mm-hmm. But the the feeling about the Lost World uh, version of Isla Sorna was that it was this creepy, dank, misshrouded, scary place. And Isla Sorna, as it's represented here, almost reminds me more of Isla Nublar in the first film. Not just because of the foliage, but because it, the way that the foliage is filmed, it kind of shows off the island in a beautiful eye, mm. if you will. It kind of shows off the island is not this dank, kind of scary place, but more as, like, paradise, uh, paradise lost, you know? Yeah, and we definitely, yeah, we didn't discuss that for the um, the opening minute, with or the opening episode with the trailer discussion and that, but, yeah, just how bright the island here, none of the colours have been washed out or anything like we see mm-hmm. in the Lost World. Yeah, the and- first time we see Isla Sorna um, in the Lost World, it's a cloudy day, the waves are roaring against the cliffs, the, uh, there's some sunlight kind of peeking through the clouds when we see Kathy get chomped later, mm-hmm. but it's an otherwise very dangerous feeling place. I mean, they actually use lion roars mm. when the waves are crashing against the cliffs to make it sound scarier. Yep. Here, it's like a calm, I mean, it's what you expect from your typical ocean wave but it's otherwise calm crystal clear day you know yeah and i think the other thing to sort of add to it as a bit of a um knock as well is the fact that here we're getting that triumphant jurassic park theme which is just again linking you back to jurassic park it's just it's strange here that they didn't decide to go with a call back to the lost world considering we're back on sauna and not mm-hmm. Ublar. and i think it's it's even more um annoying when you watch the behind the scenes, and the entire behind the scenes for this film that's on the DVD is scored by The Lost World. There's one there's one little track from Jurassic Park on there, but pretty much the whole thing is Malcolm's journey and the track and some other things, the other some other scores um, on that behind the scenes featurette. Which, if you're going to use it for the featurette, why don't you use it for the film? <laughs> but yeah, we'll get to more score as we get going. Um, as for the script comparisons, there's nothing that here. We sort of don't get anything again until we uh, get the reveal of what's happened to the boat. So, David, anything else on Minute 3 you want to discuss before we get heavy for the day? Yeah, I think we uh, covered that pretty well. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the... Uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minute's podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock 
that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters, nothing more and nothing less. Um, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on earth or heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! 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 Take the phone to mommy now! It's the it's the dinosaur there! Okay.